0: Hello and welcome to the Delco Skate Park Coalition podcast. The Delco Skate Park Coalition is a nonprofit organization of skate enthusiasts, parents, and disability rights advocates looking to build adaptive and inclusive skate parks in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Aaron Lopez, and we are the podcast that covers all things about skateboarding, skate parks, and not just skate parks, but ADA, accessible, adaptive all wheels, and inclusive skate parks in Delco and beyond. I'm really excited to be talking with Ellen Berryman. Ellen was part of the early skateboarding scene in Encinitas and La Costa, California. Her freestyle moves included downhill handstands and meticulous choreography. Ellen took first place in the world professional skateboarding competitions in the 1970s for her freestyle skills. And in 2016, Ellen was inducted into the Skateboarding Hall of Fame. Ellen, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Erin. It's a pleasure being here. So, you know, where are you I, Where are you from? Like, where did you grow up? I, we know you grew up in California, but kind of what part of California and when did you get your first skateboard?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Encinitas, which is, uh, it was a little beach town um, in Southern California. And my first board, I didn't get until I was 15. I grew up out on a long dirt road. There wasn't much asphalt or anything around. But my sister took me skating and La Costa with her board. And then after that, I got my first board, which was made by a man named Tommy Lewis, who shaped surfboards um, in the back of my dad's workshop on our property. And he made my first uh, fiberglass board, which is really sweet. And I had, uh, I think, Bain trucks and Cadillac wheels.
0: I had a fiberglass board when I was growing up, too. And I remember having these giant polyurethane wheels, and that board was really stable. Yeah,
1: I mean, oh, it was so long ago, (laughs) Erin. I can't remember all the details. But um, it was a flat board. It didn't have a kicktail, which a lot of boards in those days did. And it was just kind of um, flexed a bit. So it was, you know, I used it for carving downhills mostly at the time. Um, so it was really good for that purpose. It was like 27 inches long, um, shorter than a lot of the, the current boards. Um, but it was, yeah, it was perfect for me at the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those were great. They were great boards. So when your, your sister took you out, um, to skateboard and, and you had this, this board that sounds like it was custom sort of made for you. Um, What kind of skate terrain did you guys find out in the area where you grew up?
1: Yeah, so like I said, we didn't have any asphalt in our neighborhood and um, there were no skate parks hadn't been invented yet. So pretty much people skated either in the streets, on the sidewalks or in ditches and pools and things like that um so um one thing was at that point in time there was a lot of housing development going in and the fun thing is that the roads would go in before the houses so we'd have these this beautiful fresh asphalt um with no traffic at all and that's what was so great about la costa and um black hill where a lot of us skated because it was so it was nice and wide and steep, really good for carving and no traffic. It was like perfect.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that sounds like heaven.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I still salivate when I see asphalt like that today.
0: (laughs) I think the thing that that was kind of really interesting about that time in the early 70s in California, mid-70s, is that we went through a drought and I just remember being out on my skateboard every day you know, in that, in that time frame, And it never rained. Uh-huh. You could just be out anytime. That's true. That's true. We had a lot of time to be outdoors for sure. <laughs> and you just could go out and, you know, every day, you know, be out with your yeah. friends. Yeah. There was a, like a, a scene um, on Black Hill where there were a lot of people that you got to know um, how did you end up skateboarding Black Hill? Who took you there the first time and who were some of the people you met there?
1: Yeah, Black Hill was the very first place I ever skateboarded and um, and that's where my sister took me and it was a scene, it was an amazing scene, there were like world-class skateboarders there and um, doing um slalom and at the top of the hill they do freestyle and there's a lot of downhill you know bombing so we had the cast of characters included the the Loganer ski folks the Logan family all of the Logan family which they're still friends today um and there was Dennis Schufelt who was at that point called the fastest man alive on the skateboard and he was bombing the hills on this little little board like a 24 27 inch board and with no gear you know just going straight no shirt on but he was going 55 plus miles an hour <laughs> going oh hill. God. um then there was like oh let's see laura thornhill would come sometimes and um, oh, Di Dootson, um, who is, I don't know if you've interviewed her, but she would be a great person to interview. I'd she got to. she pretty much got the whole slalom thing going with the slalom races and stuff. And we had all the slalom runners like Bobby Piercy and Michael Williams and oh gosh, just so many, so many different people. And Uh, Greg Weaver was there who was they called him the Cadillac kid he had really really nice style Um, Ed Madeline I don't know I could I could just keep naming names probably but (laughs) I don't know what people who people are familiar with
0: (laughs) you said there was an area um, on Black Hill where people were doing freestyle what what was that like at that time? What what sorts of freestyle moves were they doing, and and what what was it about freestyle that that captured your interest?
1: Yeah, um, they were doing a lot of different tricks that have different names now. There were kick flips that look different than kick flips today, and a lot of different types of wheelies that I guess are called manuals today. Nose wheelies, tail wheelies, wheelies, daffies, Um, and then uh, gymnastics moves. And um, I had been a gymnast, like in high school, I was a gymnast. Um, So I was on a gymnastics team, I guess, in high school when I started getting into skateboarding. And I just started um, bringing my gymnastics onto the board. And sometimes in ways that people like hadn't seen before. So it got people's attention and that's kind of how I got recruited onto the Bain team. Um, And Bain um, was a big um, skateboard company back then, very popular. And they also had Cadillac wheels, which was the very first ever urethane. And this was shortly after Urethane, you know, um was invented by Frank Frank Nasworthy. Um, so the Banes had their factory in Encinitas. And um so they recruited me and we would come and practice in in the parking lot of the Bain factory every Sunday. Um, wow. So that's where I started learning, learning more tricks from I mean, both at um, Black Hill and um, at the Bane Factory from people like Bob Moore and other freestylers.
0: I have to ask, too, because it was it was such a a new thing at that time, especially, you know, as we were growing up, polyurethane wheels were just starting, you know, to kind of come on the scene. And um, how was it for you as as a young woman being part of that that? That birth of skateboarding.
1: I mean, there were definitely way fewer girls than guys in the seventies. Way fewer. I would often be the only girl out there. I was the only girl on the team for a while. Then a couple times there were two, and I think three at the most. I didn't feel like pushed out by the guys at all. I felt I felt included for the most part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you um, would develop some of these freestyle moves, were you being influenced by the other skaters around you, or were you kind of like, oh, "I have this history in gymnastics. I'm going to take something that I know I can do on a mat and translate it to my skateboard"?
1: Yeah, it was a little bit of both. I was learning mostly the footwork. You know, came from other people. The whole idea of coming off the board into a handstand, which by more on our team did. And a lot of people in contests and stuff would just kind of like run alongside the board and kick up. And so being able to come up from the board and down really helps with the fluidity and being able to go from one trick to the next, you know, kind of seamlessly. So I was able to do different variations on that.
0: Um, So I have to tell you when I was growing up and, and certainly if you've ever tried to do a handstand on a moving board, you never know how hard it is until you try. <laughs> My sister and I tried to do handstands and really failed miserably <laughs> right over the other side. That is a very difficult maneuver. How, how much practice, how long did it take you to, to be able to get that down and to the level where you took it to competition?
1: Well, you know, I learned that if you get enough speed going, it's actually easier on a skateboard than on the ground because you can just move the board under you. So I don't really remember the first moment when I realized (laughs) that, But, (laughs) but I mean, I was doing handstands like within six months of starting to skateboard. Um... I did fall quite a bit, but I learned, you know, my, my skateboard, uh, teacher, we call him the, he wanted to be called a teacher instead of a coach for the band team. His name was Paul St. Pierre. And he said, he always used to say, you have to learn to fall before you learn to fly. So the trick was being able to fall, you know, to roll out of it. Well, so you don't have to be afraid of of falling. So I know I fell a number of times before I got it wired, (laughs)
0: it's hard to do when you got your first skateboard you were 15 but you were competing pretty shortly after that you know how right. how how old were you when you went to your first competition with like the main team
1: i think i was still 15 my first contest was at belmont park they had a it was an amusement park in san diego and that was shortly, that must have been like within weeks after I joined the team. Um, and I got second place there behind Desiree von Essen, who was the leading champion at the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were going all over in the team in a in a van, <laughs> all these kids in a van <laughs> doing <laughs> contest all over the place.
0: <laughs> was it was it a lot of fun? It was so much fun. Yeah. Were there some experiences as you're going around in this van and going to different competitions that you know stood out for you as like really fun or or very silly things that happened?
1: We went to Las Vegas once, and we stopped at a we. I don't remember how we found this empty swimming pool, but it was one of the first pools I ever swam. I I've skated in and it there are all these neon lights all over it was like near downtown las vegas and we were skating in the pool and just we just stopped there for a while and skated it was so much fun
0: that's so cool so you guys find this empty pool and you're like we're going in yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) of course you know i don't know if If the older people in the group had scoped it out already, I don't remember. All I remember is as a kid, we're just like, look, here's this pool. (laughs) How did you do? I mean, I carved it. I didn't go up very high. It was just fun. I never was a big um, first skater, you know, but I enjoyed it.
0: (laughs) When you've skated an actual empty swimming pool, those, those walls are really, really vert. Like it's very, (laughs) oh yeah. <laughs> yes
1: absolutely vertical yeah
0: <laughs> my parents always left like um you know during the drought like just enough nasty green water so that my sister and i would not skate in the pool because like you could not get around those walls <laughs> get out of there um so so you guys are are going to different places and you're you're kind of it's almost like you're you're on a tour with the with the skaters that you're with are there some some contests or competitions that you were part of that really sort of stood out for you where you started to say like, this is really fun and and I'm good at this. I mean, probably the first one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then I started getting first place after that. So I went from second to first, and uh, first to first to first. So I guess that made me feel like I was pretty good.
0: You had this move in freestyle that Um, when you see it just looks incredibly hard and you were able to pull this off, there's something called a spider.
1: Yeah. That was kind of my signature move. (laughs) I was, you know, I told you we would practice at the Bane factory and practice our tricks and we'd do it in front of each other. And I'd be doing a handstand and I started bending my back more and our skateboard coach teacher said what would happen if you just bent so much that you put the top your feet the top of your feet on your forehead and it's like <laughs> a circle and and so uh I did and then that was my signature move
0: that's incredible and the photos really show like the concentration you know when you're when you're pulling this off in contests
1: then when I was at my peak, I could go from that into a sit. So that was like only when my stomach muscles were super strong could I do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. You're picking up skateboarding at 15, and then in a short time, you're you're at the world competition level. Um, how did you get involved in the the professional, the world professional competition?
1: Well, I mean, it's really mostly about being at the right place at the right time for me. Um, There really weren't that many women competing, girls competing. I usually, there is just a small group, fairly small group of women um, that I'd be competing against, usually the same ones. There was the world championship in 1976 that Donnie Brinker, who's who's a, producer of concerts and things he put this on uh this professional contest on it It was an invitational yeah (laughs) it just kind of happened and it was in it was in long beach in southern california really you say world championship but it's a fairly small world
0: (laughs) (laughs) it was in your backyard so to (laughs) speak exactly (laughs) for skateboarding in the 1970s southern california was sort of like it you know the scene. It was it was the world of skateboarding right there.
1: Pretty much. There were a few people from Florida and other countries, but I I don't think there were any women, if I can remember. There might have been one woman from the East Coast, but most of the women were just all from uh, Southern California at the time. At that time, yeah. yeah.
0: So you know I, I I've always had this question for you: um, how you you ended up opening for a Jethro Tull concert <laughs> <laughs> that was because of Donnie yeah. tell me how that how that happened and you know I don't know if you were a Jethro Tall fan at the time they were a huge band in the 1970s
1: yeah so um I had never been to a concert <laughs> I had never <laughs> been to a single rock concert I did like Jethro Tull. I'd only heard them on albums. And, um, yeah, Donnie Branker produced this um, this concert and invited people, various different people, to come skate. So my first rock concert I ever attended had 60,000 people, I think. And, oh, my um, god. And I had never seen that many people. I never seen that many people in my life, and I had to skate in front of them. Oh
0: my so. gosh! <laughs> so, so where was this concert? Like, was it at a stadium in Los Angeles? Like, where? It was. It was at Angel Stadium. What does Donnie tell you? Like, hey, here's how it's gonna roll, Ellen. You're gonna like go out on skate stage. You're gonna skate out there in front of these sixty thousand people. Like, what? What were you told about what you were supposed to do?
1: Well, I mean, with freestyle, we each had our, in those days, we had our freestyle routines that we would do to music. So um, I was just supposed to go out there and do my do my routine. But the the floor, the stage was smaller than I, what I usually do. So I actually ran into the ropes on the edge. One oh. time. <laughs> but it was okay. Just got up and kept going. That's what you do, right?
0: Yep. <laughs> So you go out there and you do your routine. There's 60,000 Jethro Tull fans out there at Angel Stadium in Los Angeles, California. Um, And then what happens after you're done? Was there ever... And for people who don't know Jethro Tull, because I'm pretty sure most people my kids' ages would not know who they are. um, They were a very interesting band um, and fairly notable because their lead singer I think is the only person in rock history who could pull off like a 20 minute flute solo.
1: Right. The whole flute thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really amazing. And
0: standing on one leg. (laughs)
1: Right.
0: (laughs) So do you get to meet Ian Anderson of Jethro Tull or any of the band members?
1: We didn't really. We just kind of passed by them. And I, I have to tell you, I was super, super shy back then, like almost pathologically shy. So, um, even if I did meet them, I probably would have just gone, hi.
0: (laughs) 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 That's such a big deal to, to be, you know, to be like a teenager, be really shy and then do your freestyle routine in front of a group that big, that's, that's an enormous group of people. Did you just zone in on your skateboard and just go through your routine?
1: Well, it was absolutely mind blowing because when I went out there, uh, you know, I hadn't thought much about it until I walked out there and I was supposed to be the first one up of several different skaters. And, you know, how when there's a big crowd, it just sounds like one big roar type sound. And I was just so overwhelmed. I just kind of turned to jelly. And I couldn't I couldn't go. So some people had to go ahead of me. And then I gathered up the strength and focus (laughs) to go. out. Yeah. And so that kind of that was very
0: empowering to get to get through that extremely empowering. I think anybody would understand the nerves that must have just taken over in that moment and to be the first one to go out. And I don't think anybody had ever done that before. I don't think there'd ever been a big concert where people went out on their skateboards and did a freestyle routine before the show.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Donnie did a couple others. He did the Beach Boys, but I was in Hawaii at the time and couldn't make it. But I think that was after, I think that was after Jethro Tull.
0: That experience then, does that kind of help you overcome some of that strong shyness that you felt you had at that time?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's helped. It helped me a lot through um, my younger years with my shyness going into my profession, you know, and every time I would have to give a talk or, or in school, if I had to defend my master's thesis, you know, in front of a bunch of professors, I, I would flash back to moments like that. It's like, I can do this. You know, it was it was very, very empowering.
0: So do you um do you stick with skateboarding through the rest of your teenage years? Is there a point where you say, you know, I, I'm you know, this was fun. I, now I'm going to move on to other things like going to college. So I wanted
1: to be a biologist before I even started skateboarding, long before I started skateboarding. So it was kind of um, always my goal to to go to college and study biology. And once I did go to college, I still skated some, but I really was focusing on school. And skateboarding started to um, peter out a little bit anyway, because the Skate parks were starting to get sued and everything. There was a period of time when all the skate parks were um, owned by companies. You know, the first skate park was in Carlsbad that I used to skate in. Um, but then over time, there there became more and more skate parks, but they were having a lot of liability issues. So everybody was was moving into skate parks, but then the skate parks started closing down. And skateboarding kind of went through a lull and a lot of people I knew had real problems because I had biology to go to at that time. But um, a lot of the other people that I'd skated with, they didn't have that. And they started kind of going downhill with substance abuse and, and things like that. So it was it was hard for a lot of people during that period.
0: There's, you know, a couple of things I want to unpack in that this, the first one was the skate park in Carlsbad that you went to. If you can kind of tell me a little bit about that park and what it was like to skate there.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. It was brand new. It was the first park. I'm pretty sure the first park ever. And John O'Malley um, created it and... Yeah, it had some really great terrain. This really fun snake run, um, and a really crazy kind of egg crate type of terrain. <laughs> um, and we would go, me and my girlfriends. Actually, I got more girls in our in my high school interested in skating, and we would go down there on a Friday after school and and all skate. So that was a really fun,
0: fun time. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. So it has like this nice snake run. Were you taking that same board, that same fiberglass board that you had, or were you using a different board at that point?
1: This was quite a bit later. So the fiberglass board, I only had, I only really skated the first until I started on the Bane team. And then I was riding on uh, Bane boards after that. So at this point I was riding Bane
0: and then the Carlsbad Park, uh, do you think that that influenced the design of some of the other parks that, that came after it?
1: Oh, I'm sure it did.
0: Yeah. Some of the people that you were skating with after the parks start to close, they lose that that connection to skateboarding and and they they sort of lose their way as well. They didn't have
1: anything else. So, yeah, a lot of them got into substance abuse. Some didn't make it. Um, Some did
0: when you think about people who who find that connection to skateboarding, um, you know, and and having safe spaces to skate like that. That just strikes me as, you know, something that is so important to be able to maintain, you know, that that the ground is under your feet as long as you have your skateboard.
1: It was also a time when um, the streets started getting closed off more because early like in the 70s, there they didn't know yet, I guess. They hadn't thought that it, it would be
0: it wasn't something bad then.
1: Yeah. So you could skate anywhere, but then in yeah in the late 70s and early 80s they were closing off all these areas to skateboarding and the parks were closing at the same time. So it was it was a sad time for skateboarding.
0: Pretty heartbreaking for a lot of folks i mean it is it, it it's a time that is a uh, significant for a lot of loss for a lot of people
1: yes yeah
0: for you personally um that that seems like that is a a time that coincides with you pursuing a career in the sciences
1: yeah i feel really fortunate that i i had that to to go to and i'd already had that in my sights beforehand,
0: there are aspects of of what you said you you experienced where you had to give talks, you had to give presentations. How do you think your your experience growing up as as a skateboarder impacted your ability to accomplish some of those later goals that you had mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, definitely, like I said, um, the sense of empowerment really helped me um. As as I said, I was a very shy um, girl without a lot of self-confidence. And um the skateboarding really helped my self-confidence and um, people'
0: skills for those who <laughs> because Kitty Cat is gonna come into our podcast. Yes. who is your, your furry friend?
1: Like, Kitty, this is Suka.
0: Um. Oh. So it helped your your self confidence, and did that translate into? Do you feel like it it helped you ultimately meet your goal, get your degree?
1: Oh yeah, very much. It also the the money helped from skateboarding helped too.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. but um, yeah, the the level of confidence it gave me was was invaluable.
0: There um, weren't many women, as you said when you were growing up as a skateboarder to kind of look to as a trajectory, you know, how do you have a career in skateboarding? Um, But, you know, I don't, were there any skaters that you looked to at that time that, you know, you said, wow, this person is, you know, well-known and really influential to me, or, uh, or were you just sort of inventing it all as you went?
1: I just knew the people around me. And they were influential to me, but I didn't have um, any kind of role models that I knew about ahead of me.
0: How do you feel, um, you know, when you when you meet some younger uh, women skaters that that tell you, you know, hey, I, I saw you skateboarding when I was growing up. I, I saw the images of you, you know, doing the freestyle and in the contest and you were a big influence for me
1: oh it makes me feel so good it just really really warms my heart you know there was a period of time during the 80s when i was i was just moving on to you know my biological my biology career and i just figured you know all that's the past all of that's forgotten You know, and then later to hear this kind of things that these young women were inspired by me was was a real bonus. And um, I'm really grateful to have had that role.
0: Kind of fast forwarding a little bit in in 2016, you you get inducted into the Skateboarding Hall of Fame. And, you know, when when you first found out that you were going to be inducted, you know, what, what was your thought at that time?
1: I kind of knew it was going to happen, to be honest. I mean, it was kind of like I was next in line sort of thing. So it wasn't a big surprise, (laughs) but I was stoked. I mean, one of the great things about the induction, um, the whole um, Hall of Fame thing is that they have the induction ceremony every year. And it's like my version of a high school reunion, you get to come in and see everybody and cheer for them when they get inducted and, and all that. It's a really fun time.
0: That sounds like fun. Yeah. So when it was your year to be inducted into the Skateboard Hall of Fame, you you give this amazing speech and, and you talk about a lot of people who were, who were part of your history. Um, is there anyone, you know, that you can think of in particular that like, you're just the most grateful to, for, for the influence they had on you for the impact they had on you and your skateboarding?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, in terms of the people around me, there's so many inspirational people. um, I mean, Paul St. Pierre, who I told you about, who was my teacher, um, he had a huge impact on me and really pushed me. Um, my sister, who's got me into skateboarding, she also wrote for Skateboarder Magazine. And she was, she still is my biggest fan. So I'm really grateful to her. And um, my Fellow Skate Sisters, Robin Logan and Laura Thornhill. Um, Cindy Whitehead is actually more of an inspiration to me now than she was back then because I didn't hang out with her much back then. She's, I think, a little bit younger than me. She was was a little bit later than me. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Who else do I want to talk about? The Logans. Um, Ah... Di Dudeson, was,
0: yeah, strong women. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. And, and when you, um, you know, you were at the Skateboard Hall of Fame event and, and you're being inducted, it was just really great to see when you look at the video of, of your, your acceptance speech, just your smile in the moment. And it seemed like it was just such a great moment for you and such a great event.
1: It was. It felt really good. And to have my family there watching my kids, they were very proud and just all these people that I, it was really good to be around the people that I had lost touch with for a couple of uh, several decades, actually. So it was really good to bring everybody back together again.
0: Yeah. You reunited for that event. That had to be so much fun. Yes. Yes
1: it was, it really was.
0: (laughs) You know, you mentioned something. I think you and I kind of grew up, like you said, at a time in California where skateboarding was just getting started. It was almost like the birthplace of skateboarding. And we happened to be in the right place at the right time before, you know, anyone thought it was a negative thing. I don't remember really getting a hard time for skateboarding unless we were trying to jump in somebody's empty pool. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but it was, it was pretty cool. And everything was skate terrain out there. Um, it's not that way for other communities. And, you know, I think that it's, it's something that is such an important part of people's lives when they have it, when it's taken away, we've seen what happens, the huge loss, um, and they don't function as well when they're not able to skateboard. Why do you think it's so important for um, communities to invest in skate spaces that are safe for people where, you know, it is a designated spot. You can build your skills. You're not going to get harassed. It's 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 a designated spot to take your skateboard and and, you know, live out your passion for skateboarding.
1: Yeah, um, like you said, I mean, there was a time we saw what happened when all the skate parks got taken away and all the kids um, crashed, um, went into substance abuse and, and, um, depression. And, um, it's so important to have these kinds of play spaces, um, and to honor, for one thing, to honor youth, to honor, the need for, for youth to have these designated areas. And, There are, for a lot of youth, there's team sports and things that that they do at school that are more structured, but it's really important to have this. What I think of more is as play, as creative, healthy, um, and athletic play. (laughs) Um, And I mean, there's so much, um, like research is coming out showing how the kind of movements that are involved with skateboarding are really good for neuroplasticity and proprioception all those good things that help people become more resilient um and um uh, yeah it's it's and not just for young people i mean now we see older people are skateboarding too. I mean, people my age are still skateboarding. So it can be a multi-generational recreational place. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's really heartening to see these parks popping up in these different areas and really being used. I mean, used on a regular basis.
0: Are there any skate parks in, you know, in Southern California now that, you know, you might still check out or or think that like, wow, this one's really cool. I wish I had that one when I was growing up. Yeah, there's a really sweet one. I
1: actually have a house in Mexico, which is where I'm, I am right now. It's near Ensenada and there's a really sweet skate park in Ensenada that i'm actually thinking about gearing up because i can't break bones away <laughs> i hear you <laughs> gearing up and going out and, and giving it a whirl yeah
0: do you have like a specific type of skateboard now that that you like to ride i
1: have a, a nice uh, a longboard um, but I haven't ridden it since I came down here, um, and now I'm even blanking on what it is. But I'm getting, uh, yeah, I don't have any right here. I don't have any sidewalks or asphalt or anything, so I need to go to go to, to the skate park.
0: <laughs> you know, I think one of the things too that that we're trying, and you and you talked about this about you know resiliency neuroplasticity, proprioception, and all of those incredible benefits that you get from the movement of skateboarding, just being able to maintain core strength and balance. You know, some of the skaters, some of the people who are using the skate parks now are, are not um, rolling on skateboard wheels, but are using different types of wheels like WCMX and, um, and skaters that are visually impaired are using the parks you know what what do you think of some of the how skateboarding has has evolved to this community of of multiple types of users of skate parks
1: it's wonderful actually i didn't know the extent to which it was being done when I, when i found out that blind you know vision impaired people are going out there skating wow that is so wonderful i can just i can just imagine the kind of benefits they would be getting that there's no other way no other way they could access that
0: yeah it's it's really beautiful and in a space too i think you know as you said one of the coolest things about you know the early skateboarding in california is these housing developments with these fresh asphalt roads but no cars right exactly
1: exactly Now, yeah, every, every place you go, you have to worry about getting hit if you want (laughs) to go out on the road. So we don't want people doing that.
0: (laughs) When you talk about the community that you still sound like you, you're still, they're still so close to your heart, the people that you grew up skateboarding with. Oh yeah. Um, Do you see skate parks and communities having a really positive impact in terms of the community that it can create for the people who live there?
1: Well, you know, I haven't i haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that. But when you bring that up, it—it it really must be true. It really um, was an incredible bonding experience to be skating with these people. Lifelong bonding experience. So, absolutely, it would have to be a lasting um, community effect.
0: We're working on getting these skate parks together, and your description of your community and and the bonding that you did and that you're you know, you're still so um, so close with the folks from La Costa is really a testimony to why these parks are so important to our communities. So the last thing, you know, I I think we we got through everything and it was so great to talk to you, but the last thing that I wanted to ask you about and and I think in in homage to my sister who tried it and couldn't do it is the handstand move going downhill. You you did accomplish that. Is that correct? Yeah. I um uh... It
1: just, I mean, since I was skating at Black Hill, it was just a natural
0: progression.
1: And I told you the balance is easier when you're going fast.
0: There's a photo of you on a handstand and you're going downhill. I can't remember. but I think it is probably Black Hill and your hair is just being, you know, in the wind. It is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen, Ellen. So. Uh
1: I think that's a Warren Bolster photo. So cool. (laughs) He was was the editor and uh, main photographer for Skateboarder magazine. He he got some good shots of Black (laughs) Hill.
0: That's one of the best. Uh, Well, Ellen, it was so wonderful to talk with you. And I'm so grateful to you for sharing your skate history with us.
1: Thank you, Erin. It's been really fun. (laughs) I
0: appreciate it. And I hope we get to skate together someday. That would be super Oh, that would
1: be great.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you. Okay. I'll talk to
1: you later. Hey, this is Cindy Whitehead. And if you'd like to support the mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition, please go to www.skatedelco.org.